Welcome to another episode of the Dentology podcast where we discuss the business of dentistry. In this podcast series we'll be discussing all the non-clinical aspects of dentistry from goodwill values, finance, marketing, how to buy and sell a dental practice mindset through to where you can invest your money in team management issues. My name is Andy Acton and I'm joined by my co-host Chris Strevens. Let's jump straight into it. So welcome to the latest episode of Dentology, the Business of Dentistry podcast. And today we're joined by Anna Middleton. And Anna is a hygienist who qualified at the Eastman Dental Hospital after nursing back in 2015. She's the creator of the London Hygienist brand, a key opinion leader for Philips Oroscoptic and guided biofilm therapy, GBT, and an entrepreneur. I'll ask you more about this GBT thing a bit later. Welcome, Anna. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. How are you? Very good indeed. Very good to good see indeed. you, Anna. Thank you for joining us. So just, just to kick off to get into it, who, who is Anna Middleton? Who are you? What's your background? How did you get into dentistry? How did, how did the whole thing okay. start? <laughs> um, so I am half Russian, half English, and I grew up in Canada before moving to the UK. And That's then I left school. Yeah, yeah. So my mum's Russian, my dad's English. Um, and then left school at 17 with pocket full of GCSEs and one AS level and sort of said, oh, stuff you to academia. And that was sort of um, my school life. I actually did sound engineering and music tech before um, traveling into the world of dental. And basically what happened is because I left school and didn't really have many grades, so I, need, I didn't really want to be at school anymore. Um, my why, why mum was, was why like, was that? Why, why, why were you disenfranchised? Uh, I just think school? you get to that. I think you just get to that point where you've had enough. And um, it was, I changed school a lot growing up. So obviously, we moved a lot and I changed school pretty much every year. And then come the sort of final hurdle of it to the pressure to sort of leave school with the sort of grades that the school want you to leave with to, you know, meet their like sort of league tables mm. and things became something that wasn't going to happen for me. So I just was like, let's cut our losses while we're ahead. And I probably dropped out two terms before the end of my my final year. And then I just worked in hospitality. So I'd always worked in hospitality hmm. since I was 13. Worked in a restaurant while I was 17 and then just kind of was waiting to turn 18 to work into bars. And then my mum was like, please, can you do something at college? Like wow. anything. So I ended up going and doing this music course. And I, I, you know, I did music throughout my whole life at school, which I love. But I was never going to be um, an award-winning music producer. Let's put it that way. Can I ask a question about? <laughs> I'm not just, that talented. Just take you back on the. Did you say you change school virtually every year? Well, pretty, pretty much. Yeah, pretty wow. much. Every, why, the, why was why yeah. was that? And that must be really hard. Just moved quite a lot with like my family and things, and um, I also was one of those who maybe had a bit of a. I wouldn't say a big mouth, but I did struggle to fit in <laughs> in some schools. So there was a combination of maybe leaving schools and being asked to leave some schools. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like something in between. I wasn't, listen, I'm not like a bad kid or anything. It's just, um, you this know, when they do that thing. This isn't therapy. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's not like I'm being expelled. It's like yeah. sort of like for your own welfare and well-being. We think that you'd be better suited wow. somewhere else. And I was like, no problem at all. But kind of, hard, um, but as a young person, I guess you know, as you as you grow up, you realise yeah. that builds resilience, and that the, you know, the hospitality work you're doing in terms of communication skills and reading people. Back then, you'd probably just like, I just want a job. I just want to earn a few quid. And you probably had no yeah. idea that the skills you were acquiring then would mm. serve you so well in definitely. later life. There's definitely something to be said for it, looking back in hindsight. Um, and it never, I think there was maybe that just sort of element of never really finding like my sort of place within academia and then even like to a certain degree with work. And then maybe everything that I've done now is maybe a sort of a result of those environments that I've spent time mm. in. Um, you know, it just it, it gets to a point where you have a certain threshold. And obviously, by the time I left school, I was like, this is just obviously not for me. And I mean, that's 18. And, uh, you know, we, I have been back to school since then. Um, quite a lot. But yeah, the, yeah, quite a few times, actually. <laughs> but yeah, the music thing didn't work out for me. Hospitality is, I think it's something great to do while you're younger. Mm. But again, I was in this position where I was never progressing past like, supervisor or assistant right, manager yeah. and then it was all sort of around the time when the credit crunch hit so I was one of those I was a bit of a I always had my fingers in pie so I worked for my parents for a bit I worked in a bar I did tele sales I did promo work on the weekend I always had like multiple jobs on the go and then when the credit crunch hit I basically lost three jobs like overnight no. sort of my my most secure ones and one of them actually was for an arts company where I did do some actual music work and it was sort of that point where you're like, oh, God, what am I going to do with my life? And I, at this point, decided that actually I really would like to study again. The only problem was my parents had moved back to Russia at this point. So I've got a car, a dog, a job, a house. You know, I'm an adult. You know, I'm in my mid-20s. Everyone else has either swanned off to uni or done their gap years. And I'm, I'm, I'm a grown-up, you mm-hmm. know. I'm, I'm teeing myself up for my retirement, having been working since 13. <laughs> So <laughs> then I was like, what am I going to do? And a friend said to me, why don't you become a dental nurse? So I was like, actually, this is a really good idea because I needed something that I could get paid to do while studying. Mm. So I essentially became uh, an apprentice. And was your I friend, mean, I don't was know your, anyone, the, the friend yeah, that said this, was your friend asked, in yeah. dentistry? Is that why they yeah, suggested? Yeah, she was a dental nurse. Yeah, oh, she's a dental nurse. It's a bit of a random like, choice, isn't it? Yeah. Down yeah. the pub. So oh, she was a dental nurse. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she is a dental nurse. And she was like, why didn't you consider that? And I was like, actually, because I always did have the sort of desire to do, it was either medicine or music. But again, you know, leaving school without the grades, you then just draw a line under mm. anything medical and, and park that. And I also thought there was something about dentistry, which would be less emotive than perhaps some other jobs like I'm not very good if someone's upset or in pain you know I am an empath so working in a job that you know I'd have to deal with like dead and dying I was like actually that's not for me either but there was something about dentistry that's a bit more like you get all the medical you get all the science but you kind of probably don't go home and worry about patients or work um Mm. you know through the night and things like that and also it's like okay this is an easy win I'm an apprentice I'm getting paid while learning which is always a a bonus and the only thing is in Exeter it's obviously quite a small place I I don't know if anyone knows it really but job finding a job was going to be the second challenge as well 
So I applied for two, didn't get those two jobs. And then I was like, I'm so determined to become a dental nurse that I actually walked to every single dental practice in Exeter till someone gave me a job. And wow. I had my CV. I actually organized my own training placement to the point where all I needed was 16 hours of work experience a week. And I was willing to like take it, do it for free. And I, I walked around, I'd read the whole dental nursing textbook. So at my interview, I was like, I know how to chart. I know all about cross-infection. And eventually I did get given one of the, the uh, job wow. that was really, they were like, where does, where can you drive? T- where does this tenacity come from? Because I know a lot uh, of people I, who... At this point, I'd lost everything. I had nothing. I had no jobs. And I was like, I'm dumb. When I've got an idea in my head, I'm like a dog with a bone. And if someone says it can't be done, that just pure, <laughs> like pours fuel on the fire right. so I was like I, this is what I want to do I'm going to go for it and again the opportunities aren't there like they were for example like in London mm, you know yeah. it's, it's a small city there's limited practices it's also one of those places where people get a job and they stay in that job forever mm. you know it's how many of those town mentality. you have to do I think I, so I made like a, I printed them out and I made like a route. So one day I did all the ones yeah. in like sort of one area. And then yeah. the job I ended up getting, I interviewed at a sister practice for it. So it was on the other side of town and they were like, do you drive? I said, yeah. They went, do you have a car? And I said, no. And this job was for uh, like a float mask p- uh, position. Yeah. So to cover the whole of Devon. I said, if you give me the job, I will go and buy a car tomorrow. And yeah, they gave me the job. I ended up with the like the best role out of the ones I'd been to. It was a full-time position, all my training. Obviously, the pay was shocking to the point where I obviously carried on working in a bar and yeah. working on the weekends and things like that. Um, but obviously, that's then where my sort of journey into hygiene began mm. because I spent my first three months working with the hygienist. Right. I didn't actually know what a hygienist <laughs> was until I, I started with the dental nurse. And she then became my inspiration for everything I did there on out. Because I thought, this is great. This is what I want to do. I want to see my own patients. I want to work four days a week, do 10 till four, go on like three exotic holidays a year. Bearing in mind, none of that is working out for me now. (laughs) 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 It's quite the opposite. But that was like, I was like, right, this is what I'm going to do. So then that following sort of year, becoming a dental nurse and everything I did from that moment forward was to then prepare to mm. get into uni so because then my well, next hurdle was not having the grades to get yeah, into tenacity, uni brilliant but i was gonna say but but it's I mean, Starbucks. but you've yeah but you've also got you've got that entrepreneurial flair as well mm. in that you you're prepared to do things that other people don't do yeah a, a case in point yeah you set about and you created you know london hygienist as a as a, as a brand that that is a very entrepreneurial thing to do you know mm. um Back then, and even now, uh, hygienists typically are people who work within practices, who um, treat the patients who are presented before them that are generated by the practice, and that's their schedule. That's their work. They who, turn up and they just deliver. Who don't really have an identity. No. You know, no. can't you just see the hygienist? Yeah. It's not any name. It's the hygienist, yeah. you know. You might yeah. see Mr. Patel, the dentist, but you wouldn't see, you know, Anna, the hygienist, you'd probably say, oh, yeah, you'll see the hygienist. Yeah. It's, fa- yeah, it's so real to, interesting. To, so that that was a real turning point. And, you know, are, are your parents entrepreneurial? Is, is that something that just was an extension of your tenacity that I just want to be different and do things differently? I think because I've been asked this question before, so I don't come from a, a you know, a business background, a medical background. Um, I, having worked from the age of 13 in so many different roles, I have seen the good, the bad and the ugly. Mm. 
So I've seen what works in businesses. I've watched businesses around me through friends or family do very well. And on the flip side, I've seen what failure looks like. Mm. And I think sometimes actually where it, the real sort of, um, I guess attention to detail with me comes from is seeing failure yeah. and some of the difficulties that myself or my family have been through mm. and learning how to not repeat those sort of mistakes mm. with my own sort of business and life choices. Um, and I think that is where a lot of strength lies because quite often people have said, well, why haven't you done this yet? Why haven't you done that yet? And I'm like, everything I do is calculated and mm. you'll, you'll, you know, if you've known me for up till this point, you'll you'll get it. And as you watch my career continue for the next whatever five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, you'll realize that it's because yeah. I'm calculated with my movements mm. because I know the reality of it because by just taking a step back, I ask the right questions, I speak to the right people. Mm. Um, and that is something I think I'm just very protective of wanting to make sure that perhaps my life and my business mm. doesn't turn out like other people's. I think that learning from failure, isn't it? Everyone sort of goes, oh, you learn from, you know, success. And I think what we say, you know, if you, why, why fail yourself when you can learn from the experience of people that failed before you? Don't repeat the mm. same mistakes and you can learn yeah. well from them as much as you can learn from yeah. successful people. I don't even want to call it failure. There's no such thing as failure as feedback at the end of the day, mm. because at the time, if you knew you were going to fail, you wouldn't, it, you wouldn't be classifying that as failure. You would be classing it as an attempt or, you know, going forward with something. Um, but then, you know, all the sayings, you know, fair to, was it failed to prepare and prepare to fail yeah. and things like that. It's, there is all those, those elements to it. And I guess um, maybe it's like some weird sixth sense that I sometimes have with what I do and why I do the things. But equally, there's lots of things that I have done that didn't pay off or didn't work out long term. And mm. I just, you know, obviously continue to learn from those. Mm-hmm. And why did, you, why did you want to create the London High Jeans? I think it's a really cool position to take. I think it, mm. it's really neat. It, it, it puts you in in my opinion, the best city in the world. Um, it, it's explicit about who you are and what you do. But, but why did you want to have that as opposed to what the rest of the profession who are hygienists that typically work within a practice and are happy just to receive? Why, why was it important for you to have that identity? So what happened is when I went to uni, it was the same year that direct access came into play. So in 2013, the yeah. GDC removed the barrier and that meant I instantly I said, well, this is obviously going to be a thing. If, if uh, the public can come and see a hygienist or a therapist in their scope of practice without a prescription, there, there's a huge market for that. And obviously those before me have already capitalized on that in various ways, you know, men and women who I look up to for what they've achieved. But my thing at that particular time is that I'm not going to open a clinic immediately. I'm also, you know, I'm a student, I'm, I'm, I'm studying. However, it did start to make me think, well, how would someone find me if they wanted my services in the future? So no one's going to Google Anna Middleton and be like, I'm going to go, you know, they're not going to instinctively be like, I need to find Anna Middleton. And if you at that time Googled Anna Middleton, it would come up with Kate and Pepper anyway. Then I was thinking to myself, I think, well, how would someone find me? And so I simply, I sat down and I Googled London hygienist and nothing came up. I was like, well, this is ridiculous. So I just bought the .com, bought the .co.uk and swiped up all the social media handles like immediately. 
And I thought, right, I'm just going to purchase these and sit on this because there's something in this. And if you think of like some of the like bigger brandings and things, like you say, most hygienists work in the clinic and they're just under that, um, the, the name of the practice or the mm-hmm. name of the dentist. No one had really branded themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, well, you've got like Chicago pizza, LA gym. Now it's time for London hygienist. Yeah. And then I, I, I honestly, I did nothing with it because I still had this dream of just graduating and working four days a week. I was like, I'll go work on Harley Street. And I did all of that. And then essentially what happened is through a series of like, you know, just bad jobs and I guess finding my feet. Um, I'd applied for a few other jobs and didn't get the role. And again, it was that sort of frustration thing of like, you know what, why am I trying to be the star of someone else's show? Uh, yeah. Let me just pull my finger out. I clearly came up with London Hygienist for a reason. And it's almost like the universe was saying, I'm not going to give you anything else because this is actually where you need to be putting your time and energy. Mm. And then from that moment, it was like, I created my first website, which was just a WordPress page. My business cards came from Vistaprint. <laughs> Everything was off like, my own back. And then it was just pumping out calls to action because... The other part of my business model is the fact that my USP is the reality that I understand that the fear of pain and lack of control are massive barriers in dentistry. So having worked obviously in hospitality, I'm a big believer in practicing with EQ over IQ. Hmm. So a patient can tell me everything I need to know about them in the first 30 seconds that they walk into the room as to what kind of service they want. So that was my USP anyway. And then the whole premise of London Hygienist is to change the way that oral healthcare is delivered to patients and improve access to oral health care. So the kind of the business started growing off the back that patients were coming and they were having a really positive experience. They really liked how I positioned myself in terms of education, um, that I was sort of breaking the mold of the, the generic sort of oral health care messages that were being pumped out and giving it a new modern day spin and showing that not all dental professionals are horrible butchers that are going to you know <laughs> hurt you in the dental chair. <laughs> And that, and that was like the sort of That's probably got a good strap line, thing. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a horrible bitch who's not going to hurt you. Is that on your marketing? <laughs> well, I say to people all the time, I'm like, there's the good cop and the bad cop, and I like to play the good cop. Yeah. Like, I don't moan and nag at anyone. It, and again, it all comes down to effective like, sort of communication and how you hold yourself. Mm. Oh, and, and, true, and the thing is, it? it's a business. Like, yes, I'm providing a service, but the, the, the reason it's doing well, well, so well now is that the people are buying from, they're buying me. Mm. they're buying into me and then it goes back to the whole golden circle thing of I put my why first Mm -hmm. and then my what and my how second yeah yeah so I've got two questions uh, they're kind of related so the first one is um, how long did the domains the social handles and the branding sit on the shelf for before you did something with it. And then the second one is how was it received by the profession when you kind of put yourself out there and and made it public in terms of what you're doing? Because uh, are you familiar with Malcolm Gladwell? Have you heard of the writer, Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the staff writer for The New Yorker, and he wrote a book called Outliers, which basically is people who perform to an exceptional level that kind of fall outside of the norm. And he does lots of work around mm. sociology and physiology and stuff. And he kind of says he, he did a study on sports people and he found the people that perform at the mm. very highest level um, of sport are outliers. So the, the David Beckhams, the Messies, the Federers, they, they don't conform to the norms of what you'd expect. And I see you as being an outlier. You've got all these people that behave in a particular way and you're over here. 
Yet the things you're doing, the success you're having, you could argue is not on the same level as people who typically do what you do. So it's, it's, how long you mould on it, but also how was it How was it received by the profession? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. This is why I keep getting kicked out of school. <laughs> um, okay, so a female the and an so, upstart hygienist. <laughs> the rebel. Yeah. Um, well. My dad always says, your, my dad was always like, your mouth is what gets you in trouble. So I have learned over the years to listen, you know, twice, speak <laughs> to once. To moderate. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, to answer your question, um, the domains, the social media handles, things like that, they kind of were always there. And then maybe I had them towards the tail end of uni. Um, and then I started dibble dabbling a bit in the social media stuff as I graduated I started writing a blog um, and I was kind of trying to direct patients there for extra reading material and information while I was working for other people Mm. and then what essentially started happening was I was joining places where there was no diaries so everything I did was then a call to action so then my, my my sort of marketing strategy and everything was then to hone in on that because I needed bums in seat. So I think, you know, whatever, let's say like Christmas, I'd be like, okay, let's do something around um, teeth whitening in the run up to that or New Year. Now let's do stain removal after all the like red wine and, and nice things. <laughs> so it's like always forward thinking as to like, what, what am I planning in terms of content? And yeah. I also had the opportunity to sort of really raise the profile of what a hygienist actually does mm-hmm. and promote direct access. So I could be like, you have a dentist, but you can come and see me for all these wonderful services. So then it just sort of, it's one of those things, I think with things like social media and perhaps, perhaps like my business grid, it really is that compound interest, uh, like um, sort of application in the sense that these were all small steps repeated daily over a period of time. And I guess now it's just at that point where I'm really starting to ride that real like mm. steep, like up uphill, um, I guess, rewards uh, of the, the efforts that I've put in early on. That's and then how it was received by the profession. It? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hmm. stubborn as well. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Um, stubborn The other tenacity. thing about the industry, okay. the problem with the industry as well, is I think a lot of people just didn't understand what I was doing. They were hmm. like, how hmm. is this going to work? How is this a viable business model? Like Most people thought I was insane. A lot of people laughed. A lot of people told me it couldn't be done. And again, you know, not to do this sort of thing, but as sometimes as, you know, as a woman as well, mm-hmm. um, and, a, you know, a younger woman looking up to sort of like peers for help and support. Um, no one really like poo-pooed it, but at first they just didn't understand it. And then as it started to gain momentum, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, wow, you're doing amazing. Oh, you've done really well. And like, oh, you're a genius. I'm like, mm. and it's flatting, you didn't say that's, that's, that at the time. I was going to say, it's flattering and irritating yeah. at the same Can time. Can I join you? Because yeah. I think anything that hasn't been done before, that, that you know, most people say it's impossible, which is why it hasn't been done before. And the really smart people say, well, what is the art of the possible? What, what could be done? And it's those mm. people that generally change things and, and move mm. it on. And it's very easy to then say, after the event, oh, well, it's obvious, but it wasn't obvious at the time it took happen because it, it didn't even mm. exist as no. a thing. But there's been thought. times as well, and and obviously never to like you know badmouth anyone and things. But there were times when comments arise, such as, well, "Why are they using her? Why have they chosen to work with her? She's just a hygienist." Yeah, I mean, 
when you when I hear stuff like that, I, I'm tough skin. Okay, remember this is this is not an issue for me. If anything, it just stoked the fire even more. I'm like, keep coming at me with that attitude and mentality because this is probably why we still have put some of the problems we have in dentistry. So I have this big gripe when people go, oh, but we've always done it this way, and I'm like, hmm, like that just. I can't work with people or around people that have that sort of mentality. And I'm like, we have problems. I'm a problem solution kind of girl. I loved right. puzzles growing up. I still love it now. And I think that's why I really enjoy what I'm doing with the, the brand and the business in the sense that there are problems and I'm finding solutions, which therefore propositions me really well in front of, for example, not just my patient base, but also the industry, which mm. is why it has led to partnerships or industry involvement because there are people who can see what I am doing and there are now other clinicians who are following this business model because mm. it works. But also from a, from a human health and a patient point of view, you know, hygiene is a very easy access point into dentistry. So if you get it right and you can get patients in with, on a hygiene program, actually it turns around and it's no longer the dental practice referring to the hygienist. You end up with a good hygiene yep. program and suddenly you start referring people into dentistry. So it's, it's the same thing, just viewed in a slightly different way. Mm. And patients would engage with the people they feel most well, comfortable It's more approachable, with. isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. Well, this is the other thing as well. So bearing in mind, I am a lot of people's first contact in the sense like at the moment, particularly post like, sort of mm. lockdown and COVID, I've got patients that haven't come in years and then they've perhaps seen my social media or they've read about me in an article. And they finally, after years of avoiding the dental chair, had plucked up the courage to come. At that point then, I am that first touch point. I, mm. I have the opportunity to show them that you can have a pleasant experience. Mm. Also, because there's certain elements of dentistry which I can't do, I'm able to then talk them through those procedures. And because I'm not going to be carrying them out, they almost feel like, well, I trust you because you don't have a hidden agenda to but be the, carrying them the out. the patient's point of view, the what you can and what you can't do doesn't really bother them. In that moment, no. you are the face of dentistry. Yeah, you are. That's right. Yeah. You are the face of dentistry. You That interaction is going to determine whether they decide to come back, whether they're going to mm, tell their friends, whether yeah. they're going to have a positive experience. So the actual clinical, what you can do and what you can't do, kind of is by the by. They come, it's an experience, isn't it? Yeah. If that goes well, it blows up for everybody. Because this is the other aspect here as well. People say, well, there's no money in a healthy mouth. And I'm like, well, these are someone, for example, someone who hasn't come for seven years, who is now coming every three months and is happy coming every three months because they now see the value in the investment. So, you know, my, I'm pretty fully booked these days. And that's only sort of growing and expanding because once you get them through the door and you convert them, that's it, which means what I set out with my business model at the very beginning is, is and the sort of my company ethos and, and messaging has paid off to the point where I, I don't know if you knew or not, but I obviously went back to uni last year and yes. did my second degree. That's what, yeah. So yeah, then I saw, I've, yeah. I've now a dental therapist which therefore means I've now expanded my scope of practice mm, even because, further yeah. to therefore mean that when the patient comes in, if they do need some of that basic dentistry, I can now complete that for them. Mm. And I think, again, post-COVID and with waiting times and as a business model in terms of how we all work together, actually utilising hygienists and therapists to their full scope of practice has got to be the way forward and I encourage more and more people to actually work better with their hygienists and therapists if they're not already yeah definitely yeah definitely from, yeah. from a from a scalability point of view yeah London hygienist is 
Anna Middleton and Anna Middleton is London hygienist. Is it is it a scalable model? Would you ever feel comfortable bringing other people in using your effectively? You know those two those two terms are interchangeable. Will you let somebody else use yeah. that name? Uh, the thing is, one day I would like it to be London hygienist meet the team. You know, yeah. or multiple sort of sites and things. And the thing is, all what I do in terms of actual clinical skills is not different to the rest of my sort of profession and my peers. What it is, is just the business model and the approach. And I guess, like I said, the the EQ element to it. Mm. So if you have a great team of people who function on that same wavelength, they're impressionable, they've got all those people sort of skills and, you know, and they, they evolve and become part of the brand, then it's no different to, for example, when you say fly on a, you know, Virgin Atlantic flight in comparison to, you know, say taking a Ryanair flight, you're paying for like a certain level of service and you're paying for the time, the expertise and the sort of equipment used. Um, And that's, you know, just in reference to that sort of my thing, but yeah, hundred percent. I want to see more autonomy for hygienists and therapists. Hmm. Um, I want to continue to improve access for the public and essentially eradicate some of the, you know, oral health diseases that we have that, mm. that are easily avoidable. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, 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 There's lots of misconceptions about dentistry, isn't it? You know, it's painfully expensive and makes you bleed. Yeah. And yeah. I think the more we can break down those yeah. barriers, uh, the better it's got to be. Mm. And, and that, that, you know, the, the, the kind of the term within the profession is direct access. But if you just think about it as access to dentistry, mm. if you yeah. can access it in a, in a way which makes you feel comfortable yeah. and is a good experience, you're more, much more likely mm. to visit, visit more. There's a, the other aspect of it as well with, with direct access, you know, the private healthcare model is changing in the sense that it is becoming more desirable and, and actually, you know, an affordable option for many people. Um, and I, I'm not going to say that's like a blanket thing for the, for the UK. Obviously, if we look at those socioeconomic scales in different areas and different people's needs, but there is something to be said about how the direct access model can be used to help alleviate some of the pressures and strains perhaps within like the NHS, but also just giving the public the choice as well um, to have those positive experiences and see that actually, like you were saying, you know, it, it can be a, a pleasant experience, that it's an investment into your health long term. There's so many things in there and it's something I hope that I can maybe weave further into the business as it expands um there's just not enough hours in the day is there mm. for all this world domination <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah dominate dominate one, one way at a time to rest. <laughs> yeah do you get loads of contact i'm assuming from hygienists to sort of you know dm you contact you and saying hey how can I do it? Or just well done. Thanks for elevating us. It must be quite, you must almost be like the, um, it's not quite the right word, but like the champion or, or poster girl for hygienists, you know, people go, Oh yeah, right. Yeah. I can imagine you must get loads of that because of your visibility. I hope, I mean, 
but definitely has been lots of nice positive feedback from people and I, I've always said I have an open door policy so if anyone ever wants to come and shadow whether they're a student or they're already a hygienist you know I I want them to be able to have as much sort of fun and, and happiness as I'm enjoying when I first entered the sort of hygiene world it was actually after six months I nearly jacked it all in like I was miserable I didn't feel that there was, oh, really um, a, yeah I actually ran I went I went to Thailand for three weeks and considered not coming back and I was like this is not what I signed up for um and this is what I mean I'm like I'm, I'm so um I can be a little bit erratic sometimes I'm like yes let's do this like, I don't want to <laughs> just a tiny bit um but it's, 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 there's like there's there's method to the madness and actually going away gave me some headspace and that is kind of a bit of a turning point when I was like okay I want to get this London hygienist thing off the ground I don't fit in to other people's practices mm. or models, just like I didn't fit into school <laughs> or yeah, like certain yeah, yeah. jobs. Um, and that's how that then progressed. And, and again, I just want other hygienists and therapists, any dental professional, you know, nurses, dentists, you know, we, we're kind of in this together. And um, I, I know it's difficult for many people. I, I've been on that side of it. However, I, just, I always will offer my help and support. You mentioned the shadowing. Do, do do many people want to take you up on that? Is it like a constant thing that, that people are? Because yeah. that must be, in a way, great at one time, but also potentially a little bit exhausting because you've, you've got people that you're mentoring as you go. Well, like, for example, we, we've got a work experience girl in this week and, I, you know, she came and watched me do a couple of things and then I was like, look, can I pop you in with the, some of the other dentists so you can see she's applied for dental school, you know. Bear in mind, I knocked on every single door before there was social media to ask for a job. Now, if a young person at any stage of their career or life is coming to me as someone that they look up to and saying, can I come and learn from you or watch from you? I, the, I see the young me in those people. Yeah. Of mm. course, I'm going to pay it forward. You don't know who these people are going to be one day. I may need a job off them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, <laughs> you want to be careful. So, you know, and I just think if you've got that grit in you to be yeah. putting yourself out there, of course, I'm going to, I'm going to welcome you in with open arms because that's the, like you say, that's the tenacity that yeah. you do need to go far. Mm, and I think brilliant. if we've got knowledge and information, I agree with you. I think I think we have a responsibility <coughs> to share that. Yeah. Um, because they say pay it forward. Well, and and it just fast forwards yeah. their progress, doesn't it? Um, which is which is so. Andy, it's like it's no different to when I've like called you and asked you for help and advice yeah. and things like that. You know, you you look up to people, and that's only because I'm told. that will shift. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm sure <laughs> that like changes throughout life and things. And there's yeah. times when actually. People have come to me the other way, as in, you know, people who've been in the game for a long time and they're like, Anna, what do you think about this? Or what's your take on this? And like, you're asking me? And they're mm. like, yeah, we want to know what you think. So the, it, that's a really nice feeling. And I think if the world could work more in that way, we'll what's, probably what's nice get is, I think more solutions. In the last year, the word collaborations like massively overused. But I think <laughs> it, it shows that everything's joined up. And you know, the more that we can help everybody either who's in the profession or is connected to the profession in some way. It has to be good for the profession. It's got mm. to be good. You know, if, if people are helping one another and sharing information and, and generally trying to uplift people, that, that's got to be good. And, okay, sometimes you might have weeks where you feel you're giving a lot more than mm -hmm. receiving, but those weeks kind of come over the yeah. course of a year. You know, I think if you just keep doing the right thing, it does come back to you. It and pays then, back to I, I think we always say, you know, whilst we might not make money uh, of someone at, 
at moment in time? The answer is you'll always make something from someone. It might be 20 years down the line, but you know, your friendship or relationship or yeah. advice that they then give to someone else that they, you know, it's, it's, it, it goes, it, what goes around comes around, yeah. I think is that. There's something really interesting in what you just said there. And this is something else I think people need to bear in mind. It's um, I've been reading the Stephen Bartlett's Happy Sexy Millionaire. Oh, it's good, and isn't he it? Yeah. Touches, really, really good. And he touched on something that was really interesting where he talks about invisible PR. Mm. Now, whether that be good PR or bad PR, in the background, there's always things being said about you or people are talking and everything you do will kind of... Uh, come together so I think sometimes with a lot like you say even though you're not getting paid or whatever it, you've got to think about what it what does this mean sort of long term for mm. either yourself or the people that you're involved in because mm. one small thing that I do today which I think oh that's that was nothing I would have done that for anybody could be really life-changing or mean the world to somebody oh, else yeah. Oh, and we've all done it yeah, where we've, it. we've said something to somebody and we've dropped you know, the wrong word or we've said it in a particular way. And in that moment, it didn't mean anything to us. And then you hear that it was really upsetting for the person. And it's like, I never, that was never my intention. <laughs> I never meant to do that. And I'm, I'm devastated that I hurt your feelings. But, but in that moment, it, it was just something you said and you didn't even realise that it had the impact. And it's that the power yeah. of words is enormous, isn't it? Right. You know, you usually. And you, actions as well. Yeah actions as well especially within a team you know that's uh, you know often they speak louder as well you yeah. know how people interact and how they think and conduct themselves yeah. I mean that we're all human no one's perfect we have these moments but it's just I think if, if we all just are a little bit sort of like more conscious about Mm. The, the like the actions that we we do carry out and things. Yeah, I, I was want to put into a lay by for a second and ask you about guided oh, yeah, biofilm so. therapy GBT therapy. for no okay. other reason. I love the hats. I think the hats are the coolest <laughs> thing on the planet. But without this isn't a clinical podcast, so we don't want to get clinical on it. But in sure. terms of your business, how, what's mm -hmm. GBT done for you? How how's that changed things in terms of how you go about business? It's an unfortunate set of issues. Okay, so if we. <laughs> <laughs> if we go back to the point where I said, obviously, I wanted to change the patient experience in the sense I wanted them to have a pleasant experience. This is where GBT really lends itself. It's essentially a spa for the teeth. So we've replaced traditional sort of cleaning methods okay. um, with fancy high end Swiss um, cleaning gadgets. And the idea is that rather than sort of like sort of scratching, scraping and just jumping in and kind of going to town on a patient's mat. What you're doing is you're disclosing the biofilm with a dye. So we put the purple dye on the teeth. Patient can see where the plaque is. I can see where it is. And then we remove it with a combination of warm water, air, and soft powder. So it's super gentle. Then if you need to do any scaling, you only remove things that are like hard that aren't supposed to be there. So therefore, you're sort of less generalized scratching and stabbing around. And again, it uses warm water, it's quiet. It is a pain-free treatment. So for a lot of people, even if they're like, oh, I don't believe you, I'm like, just, just trust me on this one. And by the end of it, they're like, that was incredible. That felt amazing. My teeth feel great. And then because they had such a nice, pleasant experience, they are more than happy to book back in. They book back in on the day. So that's, so a that's like how a it's revolutionized and changed. Yeah. Exactly. It's a spa for the teeth. And that's what really sort of, I was looking, so my, my sort of relationship with EMS, the company, and, yeah. and um, GVT, essentially, again, this is how the business opened out in the sense that I was already looking for ways to improve the patient journey. So I was kind of already doing a hybrid of GVT without using the full kit. 
they saw the work that I was doing online and we're like, we want Anna to be an ambassador in the UK. So then they flown out to Switzerland, got made an ambassador. And then now that's how I've basically been helping within the UK sort of market in terms of getting other hygienists and therapists trained out. So I'm a Swiss Dental Academy trainer now, one of 10 in the UK and only like 340 globally. So again, just this little girl on social media taking her before and after pictures and trying to break the mold. They, you know, they took on the hygienist to front up this rather Mm. than dentists Mm. and things. So again, it's just bringing hygienists and therapists on a par and changing the game. It's interesting in my head. I've just got this vision. It's really, it's, that's a very weird one. But you know, like when you go and have a, you go and have a gentle massage in a spa with all the oils and they slowly sort of like maneuver your joints and stuff like that. And then you've got the other one where you go for a Turkish massage with some big, big bloke beats the crap out of you. It's, in a way, I've got these, the, 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 the spa treatment as opposed to, yeah. as you say, I love the fact of these stabbing around, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah. fascinating. But also, it's one of those great things. It's the technology is being used for the patient Mm. benefit and the experience for them is so much better. So they're much more likely to return. But this is the other thing as well. So, for example, quite often I met with resistance from um, certain professionals and particularly some from a maybe older demographic and things. So their their, um, training pathway may have been different. Now, in terms of this biofilm um, directed treatment pathway. We've only really known about biofilm since the 70s. And on top of that, air polishing systems for the management of biofilm is something that's then been progressively becoming more used since then. Mm-hmm. So our understanding is changing constantly. So I'm a big advocate of tech and innovation, especially within the medical field. And I think as our understanding of certain diseases and things progress, so should our approaches and our treatment methods. So what Mm. used to work once upon a time, I'm not arguing with it, but I'm just saying now I've got a way to do something that's better, quicker and nicer for the hygienist, the patient and their Mm. teeth sort of thing. Open heart surgery and hip replacement. (laughs) You know, technology. Yeah, but also I think that philosophy applies to business as well. You know, the the methods that worked... 20, 30 years ago have changed. Mm. You know, there's there's digital platforms available to yeah, us. You know, the, and I think having that mindset that says, well, clinically, as we learn more, we should adapt our solutions. You know, if you think about business from where you started to where you are now, you're not doing the things today that you did yesterday. Mm. And yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're still young. There's loads of chapters of your, your book still Thank to be you. written and you won't be doing things in two, three, five, ten 10 years time no. that you're doing today. No, sure. You mm. evolve as well. And where is that future? What does does that future mean? (laughs) What does the future hold? Um, I think obviously I'm at that point now where having qualified as a therapist, you know, just in the last year, I really want to um, really hone in on my new skill set. So I've been doing two postgrad diplomas because from the girl who hated academia, I can't get enough of it now. This is it. After this, no more. So I'm going to do these postgrad diplomas. I know, like, everyone's like, are you going to go for a PhD? I'm like, really? absolutely not. Five years' like, time, no. we'll be interested to know what else you've done. 
<laughs> it's because someone will turn around and go, you can't do it. So then I'll be oh, raging. Oh, there I'll be like, right, that's it. I was going to say, that's all table. you need. Flip, flip the switch. I don't think you do that yeah. enough. No, I don't, I don't think it's in your... Oh. That's, that's out of your knowledge. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do that. I've, yeah, got, really. I've got to be honest. What I do want to say is um, I really enjoy the position I now have being able to help and support other people within the industry. So I really enjoyed my industry partnerships. I really enjoy education and teaching other hygienists and therapists. Um, I get real like sort of buzz from that. I love my patients, but I think let's be honest, it's time to write that next sort of five year plan. And I guess everyone is gunning for the <laughs> they were everyone's gunning for the clinic. They want to see the clinic open. They want to see London hygienists like actually in physical and not just out of someone else's surgery. Mm. And I think through time and planning and maybe getting over some of my own limiting belief factors that is it's got to be my legacy right i've got to just do it i've come this far Mm. and where do you tell see... me i can't tell me i can't do it so then i go and do it yeah no it's rubbish you'll never get there Anna. it's going to be completely i wouldn't even bother if i was you i'd just give up but oh, it's okay, that's what i need that's, but that's it's interesting the things that drive us isn't it you know for you the thought that somebody might kind of you know whisper i don't think you'll ever do that i don't, I don't. that is a massive <laughs> motivator for you isn't it yeah that that kind of i'll prove you wrong type mentality and we all need something that drives us yeah. we'll post we all, it today we all, on we, social yeah. media yeah <laughs> Anna can't do that <laughs> that's but, it give me give me three months and I'll, the, the work rate will go through the roof <laughs> <laughs> but also I think for hygienists and therapists I think that just raises the bar again and, mm. and whether you ultimately do it or not kind of okay yeah it'd be a lovely thing and if you get there it'll be amazing but even for where you are you you have raised the bar you've raised the profile but also i think you raise the expectation of people coming behind you of what it can be yeah definitely which i think is really exciting mm. and so often you you kind of you look within an, an area a market a, a, you know, a profession whatever and, and you look what the possibilities are mm. and before you, the possibilities were pretty much you would just be self-employed, but you'd be working within a practice. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, you've got the opportunity to create a brand. Mm. You know, there's a pathway where you could own a practice. You know, you could create a chain of practices. You know, the, the opportunities. So for yeah. people who are thinking about it as a profession, who are at school, you know, we were talking to somebody the other day about need people need to make decisions on their long-term career when they're doing their GCSEs or A-levels. Yeah. People could now look at hygiene or, or therapists as a pathway and say, actually, I could have my own business, mm. as in I could physically have a, a business where people come to me and, and it builds out from there. That wasn't there five years ago. No, not at all. No. And actually, you know, for the sort of purpose of this podcast and anyone listening, my business has only profited every single year. Uh, even last year, when I didn't work for three months, I have zero overheads in the sense that I run a business and a brand out of clinics and I do nothing but turn over like pure profit. And to the point where the business has grown so much that where I now work at Knightsbridge, I only see London hygienist patients on a Wednesday when I'm there. Obviously, they know, you know, they're fully supportive. They're like, mm-hmm. I'm the only clinician that's fully booked. And some myself and many other hygienists and therapists, we're now grossing more than dentists some mm-hmm. days when we're in. And then that's not even factoring in the amount that we then refer on top out to specialists mm. or for extra and things. So this is a viable business model. And actually, you don't need to open the clinic. And I think perhaps this is partly why I've not progressed down that path yet. I mean, I've got it cushy, you know, I'm 
I'm doing my sort of three, four days a week now. I joke and say I'm semi-retired. I run a successful <laughs> brand and business. And I come home and I sleep well every night. I get to sort of, yeah, I work hard. I play hard. But often there's a problem where, for example, a hygienist or a therapist may position themselves within a practice to their principle and say, look, I want to do a bit more on social media. I want to see a bit more direct access. And it freaks them out. You know, there's a, there's a certain type of person. I'm not going to say what kind of person that may be, but it freaks them out. They don't like it. And then it's, you know, it diminishes the sort of efforts of, 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 of this individual coming forward. And what I want people to do is maybe have a look at some of the things I've done and other people who are working in the same way that I am and see how successful a business model it actually is. And, you know, we, we all want to do well and, and see our businesses succeed. So therefore, it's like maybe just adapting some of the things can then obviously bring joy, happiness and money to everyone involved. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think we are, we're in a constantly evolving market and these things are going to happen. Um, whether you as a, say as a dental practice owner, want it to happen or not, it's going to happen. And I think the sooner you can understand the change coming and embrace it and yeah. incorporate it somehow in your business to get better. with the program, it's, it's because yeah. you, know, you, you can't control, no one's going to be able to control whether you do the things you do or not. So I think you need to sit down and work out how it works. You can work in a, in a, in a relationship where it, it, it works for both of you. It's a bit like where you see kind of, you know, what I refer to as super associates who, you know, they're on Instagram, they're generating their own patients into the practice. That makes lots of practice owners yeah. nervous. You just need to work out what that model looks like and with yourself yeah. and, and other people who are following mm. you. It's, it's not dissimilar. You know, you just need to understand how you integrate that into your practice um, because it, it can and should be good for everybody. Mm. And it does work. I'm, I'm walking, talking, living proof, you know. Mm. It does work. Yeah. just mean, You just need to make sure you get good tax advice. Oh, I mean, listen, my accountant is is my boy and I'm never <laughs> letting him go. He's yeah. always, he always jokes and says, oh, don't forget me when you're rich and famous. I'm like, I'm going to need you even more then. I'm like, we're going to need to make things disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, legally. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I mean, he is funny. He does look at my account sometimes and he's like, so do we, are we going to talk about this expense? I mean, just to give you an example, I did go to Ibiza one year and I may have spent some money in Blue Marlin. And he was like, how has this come out of your business account? I was like team building exercise you and he was like you're the only member of your team i was like yes <laughs> and i needed to take my team out for the day so it's like we we constantly laugh but no i'm, I'm a good girl and i i have um I pay all my taxes. Please <laughs> to hear it. Please to hear it. I found it fascinating, Anna. I think your story is. Oh, um, thank you. I, I think credit to you, but also it's inspiring for the profession and and not just people thinking about yeah becoming a hygienist or a therapist. I think across dentistry, people should be looking at you as a as a shining light for what could be done in the profession and how the profession can expand. Mm. Um, so I, th I, I found it fascinating. You're here to stay. And that, that I think when we were speaking earlier, you know, imitation is the, is the proof that it's working. Yes. Because if it wasn't, nobody would imitate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, this no, is true. And, you know, it's, my, it's, it's nice to see. And like I said, I have no problem with sharing that pie with everyone. You know, there's plenty to go around. I've got enough going on, you know. Yeah. with my stuff so it's it's fine and it's good and I, I do like collaborative work and 
I, I'm excited to see how this sort of industry models over the next sort of few years. Oh, or, well, at least gonna, in my career. It's going to evolve and change for sure. We always finish up by asking our guests a couple of questions. So the uh, first one we always ask is if you could be a fly on the wall in a situation, <coughs> where would you love to be and just have a little look and yeah, see what's we're going intrigued. on? Dude, we'll find out just how nosy uh, you are now. Or what you're nosy so about. I, <laughs> I had to like, have a little like, sort of think about this. So, I asked a friend and they said, say um, that you wanted to be a fly on the wall when Fergie threw the boot at David Beckham's head. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's like, good. <laughs> I was like, um, probably not something I would say. But um, actually, I think I would like to know um, maybe what was going on in that laboratory in Wuhan all those Ooh, months ago. Um, I want to be a little fly on the wall there and see uh, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the global impact of, of that moment um, is going to be written in the history book. If someone it? did truly go, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was there a moment? Yeah. 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 There was a moment. Oh, no. <laughs> Where's that vial gone? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You sort of wish someone would have gone, oops. <laughs> that my bad. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah I'm, it was I'm, like that when I got here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it wasn't honestly, me. Honestly. Honestly. It was him. <laughs> <laughs> and, our, and, our, and our, our second question is, is if you could meet somebody if you could meet anyone and that can be a real person a fictional person somebody from days of past somebody still around who would you who would you like to sit down with and meet um so obviously not to end it on a downer but i never <laughs> met my grandparents my grandparents passed away before i was born oh. so obviously having a, a rich cultural heritage in the sense that half russian half english um, I would have loved to have met them. Uh, yeah. My Russian grandfather was a, a Russian space engineer. Oh, and oh Actually wow. helped build. Yeah, actually helped um, build the the sort of rockets and the space race. And grandmother was an actress. Would he be one of the guys who put <laughs> yeah. Sputnik up? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it would have all been around the same wow. sort of time and thing. So um, I, I, I tell you, the really yeah, that's I, fascinating. I, think, is, I guess there's obviously the, the you know the strong family element to it but he would have been a pioneer he would have been at the very beginning of the space race because you know thinking of your age and your parents and, and your grandparents that would have put him an age where space was a new thing you know it was, it was something you looked up in the sky and you saw but nobody had been out there so he would have been yeah. breaking ground that had never been broken before and it, it actually ties in quite nicely with you and what you do because your grandparents your grandfather that, that, oh, that was, that was <laughs> lovely I like that that was a, that was a brilliant <laughs> thing about Andrew that was smooth that was as smooth as a cashier godface my friend that was a genius that was a Genius. <laughs> I, I could have always written that. Yeah, you could, that, was, that was brilliant. No, that brings that around nicely. <laughs> but isn't it? That, that pioneering stuff. You know, you're both pioneers. I mean, it must be somewhere in my DNA. Like I said, I don't come from a family of medics or business, you know, or entrepreneurs. So there's somewhere in there, there's some DNA that's given me this spark and I, I'm grateful for it. I'm here for it. It's, it's going to be the moon therapist. The lunar therapist. There we go. Yeah, whatever oh, it is, it's working for you, isn't it? It's working <laughs> for you, which is, which is brilliant. Lovely. Cheers, Anna. I really, really appreciate your time. It's been great. It's fascinating to find out more about you, which I think is the, yeah. you know, you see all the, uh, all the social media and you read the articles, but it's, it's lovely to just to get to know the person behind and your motivations and, and that, that tenacity is just like oh, yeah. phenomenal. The yeah. maniac. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love the, the fact that we've now set you a challenge because we told you you couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Fair okay, so honestly, you know what? I'm gonna and this is something else I was always apologetic for, which was for, for my perhaps my wins and my successes. I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm here to stay. I'm very proud. I've sat down, I've really like taken it all in. And actually, I this is yeah, this is probably just the start of like way more to come from myself and many others. So Brilliant. yeah. Yeah, accept it Buckle and congratulate up. yourself. Yeah, accept <laughs> it and congratulate you. yourself. That's what you should do. Oh, I think that's a really positive, uplifting bit to finish on. Cheers, Anna. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks yeah, a lot. Brilliant. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Cheers. What a great conversation with Anna. Brilliant. I tell you what, uh, uh, you've read lots of stuff, seen lots of social media stuff, but to actually chat to her and talk to her about her motivations mm. and, and the history and the family history and that, that she, you know, I'm sure she won't mind saying is a little bit bonkers. Um, but, but the fact that she, you know, if you set her a challenge, she'll, she'll yeah. attack it. And that tenacity really does run deep, doesn't it? And it does make you, you wonder, and it's hard to unpick, obviously moving around a lot as a, as a child and changing schools mm. and starting to work quite young and not taking no for an answer. And that, when she told the story about when she wanted to get a, a job as a dental nurse, where oh. she, she basically drew a map of all the dental practice in town and walked around. I say with no car. You, know, you, you, you must, you must have education. You just must sort of build self-sufficiency. Yeah. Because you can't be, by the sounds of things, you, she wasn't anywhere long enough to mm. sort of build almost a community. So that just really come out. But also a long-term doing. thinker, you know, she's kind of that yeah. getting the London hygienist brand, you know, putting it in a pocket for a bit, working out how to use it, yeah. then planning her next stage mm. and talking about, you know, what the future might look like. You know, this stuff isn't just acting by accident. No, by accident. No. It's, it, there's, a, there's a plan. No, I thought she was really Lesson open. for everybody, whether yeah. it be dentist, hygienist, oh, therapist, completely. or anybody. To be and also a message to the profession that, it's changing, it's evolving. Oh. And people like Anna doing what she's doing is, mm. is a sign that the profession won't look like it does in no. five years, ten years' time. Mm. And embracing those changes is really important. You have to evolve yeah. or you do dissolve. Yes. Evolve or dissolve. Exactly. No, no, brilliant. Really I thought good. she was great. Thank you for yeah. listening to this episode of Dentology, where we discuss the business of dentistry. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe where you found this episode. That would be amazing. And also follow us on Instagram.